one of our regulars for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, the evolution of religion. We don't muck around here. Your teacher is Tim Dean, philosopher at the University of Sydney and a faculty member at the School of Life. Tim, good afternoon. Hi, Richard. Here's an interesting observation about human beings. There's hard, you cannot think of a society, uh, any society we've ever encountered, had some sort of spiritual belief, often with people gathering together to worship. Yeah, that's right. Uh, every single culture that we have ever encountered through history or even through prehistory seems to have some kind of spiritual belief. Now, there's an enormous diversity in these beliefs. Sometimes they can be about uh, spirits that inhabit the world around us, whether they occupy the sky or the river down the, 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 the way or the trees or the earth. could be ancestor worship. It could be about gods uh, like the uh, a polytheistic religion, like Olympian gods or something like that, or the more recent, and I mean recent only in the last, you know, couple of thousand years recent religions, which are the large kind of monotheistic religions that have come particularly out of the Abrahamic tradition. And it's only in the last few decades, really, that we've been able to find populations of people who consistently have um, no spiritual beliefs or no religion. But even then, there's a lot of kind of, I think we might call them spiritual beliefs, beliefs in uh, ghosts or powers or other supernatural forces or crystals or healing powers. It seems to be pervasive across humanity. Well, maybe we're hardwired to believe in agency, to believe that there's some sort of meaning to things. And that's the fascinating thing. There's been so much research in the last couple of decades looking at how we think about these things. So instead of looking at something like religion from a theological perspective, it's looking at it from a, a psychological or an anthropological perspective. And one of the findings is that we seem to be hardwired to see agency in the world, whether it's the rustling of a bush or whether it's um, the actions of the, the turning of the seasons, we are inclined to project um, minds onto these things, intentions onto these things. The same part of our brain that sees other humans as having minds and intentions also projects that stuff out onto the world. And so we are kind of inclined, and we see this in, in childhood. Many people naturally believe in spirits or ghosts or aliens or come up with theories about why things are alive. Uh, and it's only later on that we start to come up with other stories about that, that might explain them. Okay. Over time, though, the nature of gods changes a lot, doesn't it? You start off, there's a period in which the gods uh, are really doing their own thing. They don't seem that bothered about human beings. Yes, that's right. So when we look at um, particularly small scale societies, so say mainly like hunter-gatherer societies, they're what, uh, there's a Canadian psychologist, Ara Nuranzayan, and he calls them small gods. They inhabit the world around us. They have an effect on the world around us, but they don't really care much about us and what we are doing. Now, over time, though, because we also have another natural tendency towards superstition. So when there are two coincidental events, we have a tendency to link them together with a cause. The theory is that as we started to see, you know, someone in the, in the group might have behaved badly and then there was a terrible thunderstorm or maybe the hunt over the next three or four weeks was came back empty-handed. We started to see a connection between these things. And the idea is that that starts to produce like rituals and habits that start to appease these gods because it seems as though these gods and these spirits start do start taking uh, an interest in what we are doing. They start caring about our behavior. And that seems to be a really pivotal step 
in this evolutionary process of religion, changing okay, them from being disinterested to being moralizing gods. Well, that's right, moralizing gods. And you can link this if you want to, and some historians have to the idea that uh, human beings are starting to live in bigger and bigger communities. Well, that's right. So one of the huge transitions that human societies have gone through is the transition from small scale. So uh, hunter-gatherers typically up to around about 150, 200 people um, to much larger scales. Now, at the smaller scale, we have a lot of psychological mechanisms to track other people, see, to know who everyone is, to know who could be trusted, to track reputations. Once you get above that scale, as happened when we transitioned to agriculture, started moving into sedentary lifestyles with bigger city-states city of thousands of people, uh, we needed a way to monitor each other's behaviour, to keep everyone behaving well so that people weren't cheating and uh, you know, lying and free riding. And the idea is that when these moralizing gods start affecting our behavior, we feel like we're being watched all the time. We feel like we're being judged. And we know from psychology that even putting a sticker of an eye on a wall makes people behave better. They're less likely to cheat. They're less likely to lie uh, when they feel like they're being watched. So the idea is that the gods turned into these big gods, these moralizing gods. Another term for that is the unseen enforcer that tracked our behavior, punished us when we were doing wrong and rewarded us when we were doing the right thing. And that enabled societies to expand in size, to get to these much larger scales. Okay, next stage, though, is that it seems that at, cert at some point in the last, as you say, a couple of thousand years, the... Um, the, the, the range of religions has started to shrink and that a lot of people have ended up signing up for a quite small, a relatively small series of religions. Yeah, that's right. If you look at the history of religion and spiritual belief, there are many, many thousands of different uh, structures and belief systems. Now, almost all of them have disappeared. Almost all of them have gone extinct and only a relatively few, particularly a few very large ones, have taken, uh, have influenced the vast majority of the world's population. And this is because once the societies started to grow to a certain stage, they interacted with each other. They started to compete with each other. And these religions started to compete with each other. And when we're talking about evolution, evolution can happen on the genetic level, but it can also happen on the cultural level. When an idea uh, is more readily acceptable, when it um, is uh, more, uh, you know, more functional, it helps people live a better life, it's more appealing, all of these different things can cause a particular belief system to spread through a population as well. So as these religions started to compete, the culture started to influence each other, the number of religions shrank. And you can look at some religions as being very competitive in this kind of religion market, you might want to say. I remind people this is not a theological discussion. This is a more anthropological discussion. You've got religions like Christianity, which are very malleable. It's very adaptable to many different cultures around the world. You've got other religions that are um, very constrained to a particular culture and maintain that culture through time, things like Judaism. You've got others that are um, kind of more malleable in a different way. They're more complementary, like Chinese folk religion is able to coexist with Confucianism, which is a more secular kind of philosophy. It was those kinds of approaches that enabled some of these big religions to, to dominate most of the people throughout the world. 
them. The main story might be the domination of these uh, big brands, if, if, if you will. But there's still new religions coming up, whether it's, you know, over the last couple of hundred years, Baha'i, Scientology, Mormonism, etc. It's not as if there aren't attempts to establish new ones. Absolutely. There are new ideas and new religions starting all the time. Religion is still evolving. Even within religions, we see a lot of change and evolution. I mean, within Christianity, we see the, the split between Catholicism and Protestantism, and we see all the various manifestations that we, we can see within those as well. So even within religions, there is a lot of change and there is competition. And then you can think about the spiritual desires that we have, these, these natural spiritual inclinations that might be fueling other belief systems amongst non-religious people, such as, uh, you know, faith healing or crystals or, or astrology, um, yoga, all these other kinds of belief systems that are satisfying our need to understand and explain the world, to find solace, to build community, to be a part of something bigger, to elevate ourselves. These things are, are going to be there for a very long time and religion is going to be around as well for a very long time, but it may well continue to evolve into the future. Future anthropologists will have a fresh story to tell. Tim Dean, thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. There's a Tim Dean. With his lesson on the evolution of religion, you can listen to it again online, of course, abc.net.au slash Sydney. Tim Dean is a philosopher at the University of Sydney and a faculty member of the School of Life. Uh, next week, the future of meetings with Vanessa Moss, astronomer at the CSIRO. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week. Music.